0: So how you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're glad that you're with us today. Uh, we're beginning a brand new series today over the next couple weeks called "This Is Us," and uh, we we kind of, yeah, it, it's a picture of "This Is Us." And 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 I heard that last week I was I was deathly ill at home, running fevers and sick. And I I heard that last week my wife was throwing me under the bus. As she was preaching, uh, in particular on a TV show called "This Is Us." Anybody watched "This Is Us"? Any Any "This Is Us" fans? Basically, basically all the women. Okay, uh, all the women. And I'm just my hands up right now because I love the show "This Is Us." I don't normally promote TV shows or whatever, but like I'm I'm a huge fan of this show, and so we we watch it uh, almost religiously every single week. And um, and so two weeks ago. Shayla, for some reason, she's like, she's tired at 8 o'clock. She's like, I'm going to bed. And I was like, all right, good night, babe. And... Uh And and so she went to bed and This Is Us came on and and I watched it, you know, because I didn't want to miss out, you know, the next day. It's going to be all over the newspapers, like what happened in the show. And I didn't want to, I want to read about it. I wanted to experience it. And so I watched it the next evening. She's like, hey, we should watch This Is Us. And I was like, well, I watched it last night. She's like, that's messed up. I would never do that to you. But I'm here to tell you that my wife totally would do that. I don't care what she told you last week. She was lying. And so, like, she's, she's done it on other things before. So I, I'm just saying, you know, it's just, I just wanted the truth to be told at church. And so, uh, but we we do love this this show partly because uh, it's, it's dealing with real life, real people, real issues. And and I think one of the greatest things that it's dealing with is this, if you don't, if you've never seen the show or you haven't heard on it, heard of it, you probably need to welcome yourself to planet Earth uh, because it is like winning every award and everything, because it's dealing with this family that lost their father and how they're moving through life with this void in their life. And the reason that's so compelling to me is because as a pastor and as a person uh, of faith, the one thing that I've recognized in life is that God created all of us with. Uh, a father void, a heavenly father void that can only be filled by him, but yet a lot of us are trying to fill that void with success and and achievement and accomplishment, relationships with money, with with things, throw whatever, sex, power, uh, love. We're trying to fill that void in our life just like these characters are trying to fill it in their life, but there's only one thing that can fill that void, and that is a relationship with the creator of the universe. And so I thought, man, you know, the reality is, is that's what we're all about as a church. We're on mission to connect people to the creator. We're on mission to connect people to Jesus. We want them to experience Jesus. And, and if you've found Christ here, I want you to know that that God didn't just save you from something. He didn't just save you from the the situation that you're in or whatever. He actually saved you for something. He has like you have a purpose and you have a mission on life. And there is something more that God wants to do in and through you if you'll allow him to. And so here at Coastal, we, we have a mission as well. And it's really found out of this scripture out of Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. And this is what it says. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. See, God saved us to do some things, and out of this passage of Scripture here, we actually get our mission as a church. In fact, I put it in your notes, and it's this. We want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. And so we want people to experience Jesus. It's all about telling others about Christ. It's about that them, that evangelism aspect. We want them to know God. It's about presenting us to God, perfect in the relationship. And then it's us working and struggling to follow after Christ all the days of our lives. That's what we're about as a church. And so I thought, it's a great time for us as we're getting ready to transition out of Monarch High School into a new space, into a, a new future. It's always good to come back and get aligned at times. You, anybody ever had your tires out of alignment in your car and it's always pulling you off and, but the moment you go and get alignment done on your, on your car, all of a sudden it, it rolls perfect. We're just aligning ourselves in this season. Back to what we're all about as a church. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're just going to talk about th- three big statements that we have. And the first one is this. It's our mission statement. It's we want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, know, and follow Jesus. And so if you're taking notes today, I want to talk to you about we want people, number one, to experience It's a big deal about us. Experiencing God is all about evangelism. It's about sharing the message of Christ because the message of Christ is absolutely ridiculous and incredible. And and every person should have the opportunity to hear that message. Every person should have the opportunity to have an experience with God. And I think the reason we don't get excited about God is because we've never had an experience with him. Because when you've had an experience with God, it changes everything. It changes how you look. It changes how you act. It changes how you react to life. It changes everything that you do. And so as a church, we're passionate that every man, woman, and child would experience God. That they would have that place where it says in Romans chapter 10 verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We want everyone, like this isn't an exclusive club that's only for a select few, God actually wants every single person out there to call on his name. He wants everyone to experience his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his love. He wants them to have that moment. He wants them to experience the fullness of who he is. And he isn't just, he isn't just limiting it to us, he wants every single person that has no idea about him to call on his name. In fact, in In 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, he actually says that he'll hold off his promises because he doesn't want anybody to perish. Like he wants everyone to experience who he is. And so... What we do as a church is we make a church, a Sunday morning experience all about people that are far from God. It's something that we're passionate about. We want them to come in here and know God. It's not about buildings. It's not about services. While those things are tools, they're all tools so people can experience Jesus. And listen, if you've been found by God and you have a relationship with God, then you know what you're called to do? You're called to help people have an experience with God. I don't know if you've realized that or not because right after that verse, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, uh, it continues on. And this is what it says in verse 14. It says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? So it's hard to call on God if you don't believe in God. But how can they believe in him if they've never heard of him? It's hard to believe in something you've never heard of. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. I'm here to tell you that God has given you a mission and God has qualified you and is now equipping you as Christ followers to be sent into the world so people could experience Jesus. I don't know if you realize that that's your purpose in life. You're to be an expression of Jesus so that you can be sent, so that people can know, so they can believe, so they can call on the name of the Lord. That is the goal of our faith, is that we would help other people do that. That's why Jesus at the end of his life in Matthew 28 said, go into all the world. He, he put us on mission. He's sending every single one of us it's an important element that we do because a lot of us, we take our experience and we make that the end game of our faith. See, I remember the moment I had an experience with God. I was 18 years old. I can remember the the seat at the church that I was in where it was, I don't remember what the pastor said, but I remember my experience with God where everything changed in my life. Where for the very first time I felt acceptance and love and forgiveness and it changed everything in my life. My life has never been the same since that day. But that was not the end point to my faith. That was the starting point of my faith. I got married to my wife May 20th of 2000. It was a Saturday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on Siesta Key Beach. And when I was saying I do to Shayla 18 years ago, that was not the end of our relationship. That was the beginning of our relationship. That was the starting point of of me passionately, after experiencing her, wanting to know her better and better and better every single day. See, we don't want people just to experience God. We don't want people just to experience Jesus. But number two, we want them to know God. And this is an important thing, that we know God, because a lot of people equate God with church And they equate church with religion, and so they go, you know what, I'm religious. I go to church, therefore I am. Just like that does not make you a a lover of God showing up to church. I'm just here to tell you that. A lot of people think, well, I do that, so therefore I am. Well, that means that if you go to McDonald's, you're a cheeseburger. It isn't that case, okay? That's not how it works, is it? No, Jesus, actually, his goal for your life is that you would know him and that he would know you. In fact, he says this in in John chapter 17, verse 3. This is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ. The one who sent you to earth. See, Jesus was praying right there for you to know God. Jesus said this is eternal life. So let me ask you a question. What's eternal life? that you would know God. What did Jesus come for? That you would know God. What did Jesus die for? That you would know God. What were you made for? To know God. What's the best thing in the world? Banana pudding. (laughs) Besides knowing God. In fact, I I think you, Jessica, you have some banana pudding for me. Oh man. Any any banana pudding fans out there in in this? Okay, there's a couple safe people. I'm a I'm a banana pudding fanatic. Uh, I love banana pudding. Uh, Let me say this. There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Just like there is a big difference between knowing about banana pudding and knowing banana pudding. See, see, banana pudding and I... There is this love between Banana Pudding and I. Like, there is this relationship that has been going on longer than my relationship with Shayla. I mean, we are close. We are intimate. In fact, I've made it my life mission that as I travel around to go to every kind of southern restaurant or barbecue joint because that's where you can always find banana pudding. And I think it's my mandate from heaven to find the very best banana pudding on the face of this planet for all of humanity to know. And so, like, man, there's some banana pudding and I we're, we're close. But there's a big difference between knowing about banana pudding and knowing banana pudding. See, a lot of people know about banana pudding. They can tell you all the ingredients of what it takes to make banana pudding. They can tell you which vanilla wafers you should put in there and the order you should do it and wh- what temperature you should put it in and how long you should live it, leave it in the refrigerator for. They can give you the list and the time frames and all that. And, and that's great that they know about banana pudding. But knowing banana pudding is totally different than that. In fact, like, I've been on, like, a health, we've been healthy and stuff, and so I'm looking at this, and, and we've been e- e- eating keto for the last, like, month or so, and, uh, and, you know, but this is an illustration, and it's for Jesus, and so, uh, <laughs> don't, don't tell my wife, she doesn't know, and so, see, there's a, there's a big difference between knowing about banana pudding, like, look at that, that just, like, look at that texture, you know, if, if I was, like, Guy Fieri, I'd, like, Smell it, oh yeah, I can smell the vanilla extract in there. and That's some good banana pudding. No, 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 this, here's the thing, you don't share banana pudding. <laughs> you share Jesus, not banana pudding. Let me just, let me explain that. Unless it's going to lead them to Jesus, and you're already saved, so you don't need any. Okay. <laughs> But there's a big difference between, I, mean, I need another bite of that. Sorry. You just talk amongst yourselves. Mmm. That is good. By the way, the best banana pudding in the world, Jessica Baxter actually makes. And so if you want to know, uh, just saying. There's a big difference between knowing about God and knowing Him specifically. See, the Bible tells us to taste and see. That the Lord is good. See, a lot of us we can go and we can, we can quote all the sayings like "How are you doing, brother? I'm blessed and highly favored." No, no, no. That that's religion. Do you know God? Knowing Him personally, this God that is absolutely committed to knowing you and to you. I love what the Apostle Paul prays for. The church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, he says in verse 16, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul's prayer for the church was that you would know God, and my prayer for you is that you would know God, and the eyes of your heart would be opened up and enlightened to the wisdom and revelation knowledge that God wants to instill in each and every one of us through relationship. Church, this should be our prayer every day. See, because when you know God, you know his will. When you know God, you know his ways. When you know God, you know his heart. When you know God, you can trust him, you can serve him, you can love him. Why? Because you know God. Here's the other thing. The more you know God, the less attractive sin becomes in your life. Why? Because when you've tasted and seen something so good, you don't want something that isn't even close. To, you don't want an inferior product. The problem is, is that, let me relate it like this. I, I've, Shayla and I, my wife, we've known each other since we were 11 years old. We've known each other 28 plus years. We've been married for 18 plus years. I I can finish her sentences. I can tell you 60% of the time what she's thinking. The other 40% I still haven't figured that part out of her. So I mean that's every husband will tell you that's the truth. Like I, I know her, and it's really easy because I know her so well for me to stop pursuing knowing her more. And I think what happens for a lot of us is. That we begin a relationship with God with a lot of passion, but then we hear the verse, we've sung the song, and all of a sudden we get complacent in that relationship. And we stop pursuing knowing and understanding and seeing who they are today. Because I don't know about you guys, I'm just going to talk to guys here real quick, but, but my wife is different every day. It's just a true statement. Every, no guy is going to acknowledge me right now because he doesn't want to get elbowed, but we all know it's true. They're, they're like a diamond, and every day it's a little different turn, and it's a new facet that you've never seen or experienced before. And that's not a negative thing. That's actually a beautiful thing. The same thing is true with God. Every day we can know him a little bit differently, know him a little bit more intimately, and every day we can know him more. My question is, for some of us, have we gotten to this point where we're where we think we know it all, and so therefore we've stopped pursuing that intimacy that we once had. And now we've, we're just getting to this place where we know about God, but, but we don't know him. We're not tasting every day and seeing that he is good and experiencing the new flavor that he wants to put within us. And so, as a church, man, we're passionate about people experiencing coming into a relationship with Jesus. We're, we're passionate about helping you grow in your faith, in your relationship with God. And then, number three, our, our goal is for you to follow Jesus. And a lot of people think, well, wh- well, where's the end game? Where's the destination in that? The destination in that is, is heaven, there's no destination on earth. You know, this is not like a yo-yo diet kind of thing, uh, which is what a lot of us do when it comes to dieting. What do we do? We go and we start a diet to get to a place where we want to be, and then we go right back to our old lifestyle, and then we end up right back where we were. God's not calling us to a diet of faith. He's calling us to a lifestyle of following. In fact, Jesus Jesus said one of the most profound things uh, to Peter and Andrew in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Now, this verse has always kind of blown my mind because here, here it is is, is, is. is Follow me is the premise, which every scripture where there's a promise has a premise. He says, follow me. Here's the premise. And the, the promise is, is I will make you. See, I believe that there's a lot of us. We aren't where we want to be yet. And God wants to make us into who we can be. But the problem is the only way he's going to do that is if we're willing to follow him. And it isn't going to be an instant gratification thing where we start following and everything happens. It's going to be a lifetime process that as we follow, we will continually become. And the goal of what we're becoming is that we would look like Christ that we would be made in his image in order to fulfill his purposes in life. And I realize that some of you are like, well, there's there's no way that I I could ever do that. I'm I'm disqualified. You know, there's just no way I could follow him. And the reason you think that is because you've been around around religion for so long where they've given you a list of rules and regulations and all these things you have to do where Jesus, all he calls you to is to follow. He makes it real simple. Hey, you want to, you want, to be made in the person I've called you to be, follow me. Well, how do I do that? You follow what he says. You follow what he says. And listen, I understand on the front end of it, you're, you're typically not very good at it. It's like back in the day, I, I, I tried this thing that was on infomercials. Did you guys remember Insanity by Sean T.? Anybody remember that? Anybody ever do Insanity? Anybody? Raise your hand if you ever did Insanity. Okay, like six people. Okay, perfect. This side is not the healthy side. I can see that. Everybody that was healthy was over, or, or maybe you are healthy. This is the non-healthy side. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm just making some observations here. But I remember trying Insanity for the first time. We, we ordered the videos. They came in the mail. Uh, we, we, we went into our living room. We shut all the blinds because I didn't want anybody to see. You know, it's a home workout, you know, and so Sean T's up there. He's got a shirt off, you know, showing off his, like, 27 pack. It's, like, intimidating right off the bat. He's like, we're going to do a fitness test, but before we do that, we're going to warm up. And during the warm-up, I'm ready to throw up. You know what I'm saying? Like, It, it, like, does not go extremely well. And at the end of the first session, which is a warm-up and an agility test to kind of measure where you're at, I end up laying on our kitchen floor for an hour trying to catch my breath. Let's just say I was not the epitome of success. I couldn't follow Sean T to to do anything. He'd be like, run over here, and I'd be like tripping over myself. He'd He'd be like, keep going. I'm like, I can't breathe. You know, I'm just like dying with it. But by the end of 30 days, I was whooping Sean T's butt. Why? Because as I followed, it got easier. As I followed, I started building up endurance. As I followed, I started knowing what he was going to do, and I could, I could be in sync with him and where he was going and how he was doing. And all of a sudden, my body was being transformed. The same thing will happen in our relationship with Christ. It might not go very well on the front end because it's new. It's different. We've never followed before. We've been following ourselves, And all of a sudden, there's a new paradigm shift where we're following Jesus. But over time, all of a sudden, we'll get to experience it all. And so Jesus is asking us to follow. But here's the problem. So many of us have settled for passive Christianity. I'll come, I'll receive, and then I'll leave, and that's the extent of my faith. I'll come and get fed and learn, but here's the deal. Jesus didn't come to inform, he came to transform. And transformation doesn't happen without some action. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 16. He said to his disciples, any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What is Jesus calling for right there? He's calling for action. It's a response. And I think unfortunately, culturally, we live in a culture where we're way more comfortable with information than we are with intimacy. We're way more comfortable defining spiritual maturity through information than we are getting involved in relationship and following Jesus. Because then, when you're in a relationship, it's gonna require something of you. And when we get comfortable with information over intimacy, what ends up happening is is spiritual gluttony sets in. And so what we do is we show up and we're like, feed me, feed me, feed me. We're like a, a toddler at 38 years old. Jesus, I'm here. <laughs> and we don't get fed. We pick up our, our big Bible go someplace else that we feel like will feed us. Because most of us are way more educated than we are obedient. And a fundamental expectation that Jesus set all throughout the New Testament is we wouldn't just know what Jesus said, but we would actually do what he said. That we would deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Him. And unfortunately, church has a lot of times turned into a football game. It's how I quit it. I love football. Love college football. I don't really care for professional football, but I love college football. Notre Dame is undefeated. makes my heart happy. We have touchdown Jesus. I mean, that's got to be spiritual somehow. But I can watch a football game, and I can tell you every play that should be run. I can tell you that, that was a 34 dive. That was a, uh, that was a halfback pass. That was a, a slant route. That was a go route. That was an up and out. That was a five-yard in. I, I, I can name it all. I can tell you what play they should play because I'm an awesome fan. But strap a pair of pads on me and put me in that game, it's going to look way different, isn't it? And my fear, church, is that we'd produce a lot of fans for Jesus, but not a lot of followers of Jesus. That there'd be 22 people that are in the game that are in desperate need of oxygen, while 80,000 people sit in the stands in desperate need of some exercise. Because we've been really well informed, but we've never taken the information and turned it into an action so we can be transformed. That's why Jesus is calling us to pick up our cross. And follow him. To put away our selfish ways. Why? Because it's not always easy to serve. It's not always easy to give. It's not always easy to love. It's not always easy to extend grace. It's not always easy to forgive. It's dying to ourself a lot of times. But it costs something. See, because when Jesus was doing all that, he wasn't calling us just to rules. He was trying to call us to a new way of living. And my hope is, is that we would follow him. And we'd be willing to do all that because of the people that are out there that have... God-shaped void in their life. And I'm going to end with this. In the late 1800s there was a a father and his son, his son's name was Paco and they were estranged and there had been an argument in the home and Paco ran out of the house and a day, two days, three days came and went by and uh, Paco never came home and so his dad frantically started searching the streets of Madrid for his son Paco. And day after day, he would go out looking for him, calling his name, searching for him. And day after day, it became more and more hopeless until finally he, he got to this point where he was like, you know, I don't know what else to do. And so he had one last idea. And so he decided to go to the local newspaper and put an, out an ad in the newspaper. And it said this, it said, Paco, dad loves you. All is forgiven. Meet me at the Montana Hotel at noon on Saturday. You know, they didn't have cell phones back then, they didn't have Twitter, Facebook, he couldn't post. He just thought, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there and, and maybe, just maybe my son will read the newspaper. And Saturday rolls around, and as he rolls up to the Montana hotel, there are police everywhere. And as he gets closer and closer. He realizes that there is a group of 800 young men named Paco who saw an ad in the newspaper about their father saying that they are forgiven. All is well. Meet me here. And they were looking for a relationship with their dad. Church, our world is looking for a relationship with our father. every day of the week, we get to be the Hotel Montana where they can come and know that all is forgiven because who the Son sets free is free indeed. and Their Heavenly Father there is there to embrace them and love them so they can have the experience that can change everything so they can know Him and follow Him you guys bow your heads in prayer. Father God, we come before you and we thank you that you're a God that wants us to experience, know, and follow you. And I don't know where you are there today, where you're at in the spectrum of maybe you've never experienced, maybe you're struggling with knowing, maybe, maybe you're struggling with following. I don't know where you are, but I know that God wants to meet you right where you are. Maybe you haven't experienced that forgiveness, that grace, that mercy. Maybe you've never had that. Today is your day to have that moment. Don't miss your moment. Jessica, would you lead them in prayer?